Welcome and thank you for joining us for the Church by the Glades podcast. If you would like more information about Church by the Glades, including service times and directions, visit cbglades.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she, has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Wow, that is that's such a great story. Put your hands together at your campus for uh, that great story. It's, you know, it's about Jesus and a Pharisee and this, this wonderful weeping woman. And it's about food. It's about food. I, I celebrate that. Who, who, who like you, you, I mean, some people eat to live. Some people live to eat. If you're like me and you really just love food, make some noise right now. Make some noise. And I know it's an early service. You maybe skip breakfast. I won't go long today so you can get some food. I, I love some food. So I want to cover today Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7. Uh, so turn on your Bible, open up your Bible, iPad, iPhone, or eyeballs on the screen, all works. We'll do a little verse by verse uh, and go back through this passage the team read so well together. But let's set the conversation. Let's set the table this way. Uh, if you enjoy food like me, just put your hands together at your campus. Have you ever been at a fancy dinner. Who's ever going to a fancy dinner or restaurant? About half the crowd. Hey, y'all need to go nice sometimes. Save your money. Brothers, anniversary of her birthday, take her to Capitol Grill, you know, Ruth's Chris, go, go fancy. Go fa There's so many great restaurants in South Florida, so fancy can be fun. I've, I've done fancy. Now, I don't have to do fancy. Y'all know me, I'm not really a fancy kind of guy. Anyway, I love me, listen, I can do Cracker Barrel for breakfast, be happy all day long. I can dial it down. Waffle House. Oh, don't sleep on Waffle House. Look, y'all not clapping because that's beneath you. I know it's not the cleanest restaurant, but sometimes hygiene is overrated, man. Waffle House is just, they got an omelet, off-menu omelet that's remarkable. It's so good. 
I, I listen, here's one when you go east sometime. I'm learning the restaurants on east. So go visit First Baptist on a Sunday morning. Sometime. Go, go at 10 o'clock or 11.30 as we're building this thing. It's really exciting. But there's these great restaurants on Las Olas. You can walk to them. It's amazing. My favorite one, though, is not open on Sunday, but it's not fancy. Tom Jenkins Barbecue. Anybody? I mean, it's, it's not like a hole in the wall, but you, 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 you sit indoors on outdoor tables. Right, they picnic tables, you wait in line to order your food and you go pick up your food and uh, the whole place smells like the barbecue pit. When you walk out of there, you smell like you're the high priest in the Old Testament walking out of the temple after burnt offerings have been offered to the Lord, right? You, you smell that smoke all day long, but it is good. Tom Jenkins is a worship experience in Jesus' name. It's not fancy, but it's good. But I have done fancy. Uh, I, I know I'm taking a moment to set the table for this, this conversation, Luke chapter 7. But uh, uh, there was a family here in the church, Richard and Natalie. We loved them. They were really good friends. And Richard had sold his company, had done really well. And so they'd invite us to their beautiful home. We'd eat these amazing dinners. Man, she was a good cook. And they had, oh, it was great. But one time they invited us to their favorite restaurant. They traveled a lot. They went to nice restaurants. Their favorite restaurant. Here's the crazy thing. It was not here in Fort Lauderdale. It wasn't in Miami or South Beach. We have, you're watching some other place, watching this in Nebraska. Uh, we have great restaurants in South Florida. But their favorite restaurant was in Orlando at a theme park. Now, I've been to theme parks, right? There's restaurants everywhere, a lot of counter service, a lot of fast food. There's some sit-down places. Crazy thing was this restaurant, their favorite restaurant, they raved about this, had a dress code. Now, at the theme parks, you don't need a dress code typically, right? You go to SeaWorld, you wear your SeaWorld tee, you're fine. Universal, you wear your Harry Potter robes to eat. Nobody looks, looks at you twice. Uh, you're at Disney, my brother, and you're wearing your typical dad uniform, right? The jorts, the fanny pack, the Asics tennis shoes. You're at Disney tea and embarrass your kids, Mickey Mouse ears all day long. You eat at any restaurant you want, but this restaurant was at, at Disney and the dress code for the men was a coat and tie. I, I've never been to a restaurant the dress code was a coat and tie before in my whole life. And so we're on the monorail dressed like this old Sunday morning church in a coat and tie, at least in a dress. And we went to this restaurant at one of the resorts, and oh my gosh, it was so fancy. It was great to sit at that table. It's at the chef's table. It was a 12-course meal, every course. First course came out. It was beautiful, beautiful, kind of small, but beautiful and so tasty. And the second course and the third course came out. It was delicate and elegant, kind of small. And they came out, and like the next course, the next course, each course like a work of art. Did I mention small? They were really small. They were petite, but every, it was the best food. I, and we loved these friends and the food was sensational. The restaurant was fancy. And I just felt honored to have a seat at the table with these friends with this amazing food, best meal I've ever tasted in my, my life. Uh, but it doesn't have to be that. Here's another table, it was a great honor. I was thinking back, getting ready for the message. Way back when I was in college, at Baylor studying theology. On summer break, I'd work for my home church. I worked in the kids' men. I think this summer, I'm like the summer youth guy. And we had old school church. We had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Each one was a unique service. Like we have Sunday night now back at this campus, but it's the same service. Just another opportunity to do weekend worship when you travel. But anyway, so what the pastor would do was to take a break. He'd give Sunday night to the young guys. And so I preached on a Sunday night. I guess I did okay because some people came up and said nice things after the sermon. But one little lady came up. She was awesome. Uh, she'd been married to a minister, married to a pastor. He'd been in heaven for about a decade. Faithful person in the church. She came up and said, David, thank you for your message. And to say thank you, I'd like to invite you to dinner at my house. Why don't you bring a few of your friends? And she wasn't like a wealthy woman, but I thought that was so kind. 
Now, manners. Manners. Manners are embedded in the story, by the way, we're about to read. Man, young people, manners are a superpower. I know our culture's not big on manners, right? Not big on, but listen, if you have manners, you will stand out from the crowd. If you take time to extend courtesy and be appreciative, it's, it's you. I'm telling you. So my mama taught me manners. And one thing she taught me, and someone invites you to dinner at their house, you offer to bring something. Now, I'm just a young man, but I said, may I, may I bring something to the dinner? But this, this woman was not just gracious and kind and godly. She was wise. She said, no, David, don't bring anything. And the reason why was I'm a 20-year-old dude. There's no chance I'm getting it right. You know, if, there's, if you have a 20-year-old guy come into your meal, don't ask him to bring anything you actually need because they will mess it up. I, I'm just saying, I was 20. I, if she'd asked me to bring, would you bring, I don't know, a side of mashed potatoes for everybody? I'd have probably gone to Boston Market, got the little single-serving thing, rolled up with that, like, here you go, right? So if it's a young person, especially a dude, coming to Thanksgiving dinner, and they ask to bring something, give them something simple. Napkins. Napkins. And even then you must delineate. So David, bring napkins, but no logos on the napkins. Don't you show up with napkins that have Starbucks or Chipotle. Don't you steal napkins. I don't want them damp. Go to the dollar store. Here's where you're going to buy the biggest thing of napkins they have. Well, the biggest thing is that necessary. Yes, they don't spoil or go bad family size. Help a brother out, right? But she asked me to bring nothing except my friends. And we came to her, her, her condo, small condo, her humble table. Again, I, I don't think she had a lot of money or anything, but she spent hours, hours cooking this magnificent meal. And we ate with her and enjoyed fellowship with her. And I thought, what an honor to sit at her table. Jesus invites you to sit at his relationship table. I, I, I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna show you. Let's, let's start with the first verse. I can't cover every verse for the sake of time. I wanna hit some highlights. I love verse by verse studying God's word. So it begins verse, verse 36 says, now, now one of the Pharisees, invite, you read the highlighted words. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. I just, break this down. So he invited Jesus and Jesus came. He invited Jesus and Jesus, if you invite Jesus to your table or to your life, he will show up. I think about what it says in Revelation chapter three, verse 20, the speaker is the Lord. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I, I knock. He's knocking by the door of your condo or your single family home or your single wide. He's talking about the door of your heart. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone would hear my voice, open the door and invite me in. I will come into him or her and have fellowship with her and him or her and him with me. He'll have a relationship. You, today, you can say yes to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'll stop talking here in just a few minutes. There'll be prayer partners on every campus. Most brilliant thing you can do. If you're not certain and sure you're saved, the pathway to heaven and forgiveness and relationship with the Father is Jesus. He's waiting for your invitation. By the way, speaking of invitations, 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 I invite people to God's house all the time. I, I have the full house. I'm not a poker player. I'm not sure if this is a, a flush or full house, but I got Christmas service invites. I got First Baptist invites. I got Church by the Glades invites. I'm always looking for the chance to invite someone to church. And I'll just say this. I invite people who shoot me down all the time. I'm sure everyone you invite comes, but I get shot down all the time. But I have found as I habitually invite people to our church, number one, our church is pretty awesome. I'm never embarrassed to invite someone to this church because just the worship and creativity alone is amazing. But I found if I invite people in August or February, they probably won't come. But December, December to a Christmas service, people that other times of the year are not interested might be more receptive. So guess what? 
Invite them now. I know you've not yet had your turkey or your ham yet for Thanksgiving. Invite them now before they've made up an excuse. Invite them to Christmas now, then circle back around and invite them again. Don't you stare at me. You are God's advertising departments. We are called to go and make disciples. When I say three, shout the word invite. One, two, three. Invite. We're commanded to invite people to God's table. So this is a great time of year. So get with it right now. Start praying about your holy hit list. Who are you going to invite? Man, beg them, bribe them, whatever it takes. Blackmail them, get them to the house. Christmas is a great experience. You've been to our Christmas services before. You know what they are. So quickly, a woman comes. But this woman, she's a gate crasher. Okay, who here likes a fancy meal? Who likes fancy? Who likes fancy? Who enjoys fancy? Some of y'all lying in church. Who likes a hole in the wall? Who likes a hole in the wall? Who? Waffle House, your vibe, my people. Anybody here ever crashed a party? Who's crashed? Thank you, honest people who crashed a party. Okay, so this woman shows up. I guarantee you she was not invited. Not on the guest list. Verse 37 is on the screen right now. Let's break this. This verse is so rich. It says in this verse, when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She, okay. Ooh. All right. So she crashes it, not because she wants to meet the Pharisee or she's heard the food is fancy. She wants to meet Jesus. Now notice her name. Do you notice when our people read the whole thing? Her name, Thelma, Louise. Bertha, Nikisha, Maria. We don't get it. We, never, we get the Pharisee's name in a moment. We know Jesus' name. We know the names of the disciples. We never get her name. Just a woman who's made bad choices. There's somebody here in the room, you've, you've made some bad choices. You've made a whole bunch of bad choices. You're watching one of our campuses. You've made some, some choices that are just so bad and so often that the people who love you no longer see your humanity. They don't think about your name. They think about the label they've given you. See, that happens in life. Sometimes we're marked by our mistakes. We're defined by our dysfunction. We're labeled by our limitations. Oh, there's, there's the alcoholic. Oh, he's getting drunk at Thanksgiving dinner for sure. He's going to mess everything up. There, there's the addicted person over there. There's, there's can't keep a job. There's can't keep a man. And people just look at you and they just see the mistakes you've made. She's defined. Just she's a woman who lived a sinful life. Now, what's that mean? What's that mean? Okay, when you see this statement, we've all made sinful choices, but this is actually a woman who lived a sinful life. This is Bible code for a certain sin. And getting ready for today, knowing I'd have some kids in the room, I thought, how do I express to you what her sin was? So I just say it this way. She, she was a practitioner of the world's oldest profession. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? If not, ask them when church is over, they'll explain it to you. So that, that, that's what her sin was, right? That's why she's not on the guest list. And so she, by the way, she's in this town. It's a small town, small town where everybody knows her stuff. Everyone knows who she is, knows her mistake, knows her profession, knows she's a working girl. So she rolls in this dignified Pharisee's home to this fancy dinner party where Jesus is the VIP guest, and she brings something. Now, it's good manners, right? It's good manners. So if someone invites you to dinner, you offer to bring something. Can I bring a side dish? Can I bring dessert? Can I bring a bottle of wine? Look what she brings. says, she brought an alabaster jar of That's a strange thing to bring to a dinner. Why, why, why does she bring their perfume? Well, based on what scholars believe to be her profession, perfume was a tool of her trade. Think with me, folks. Uh, this is before showers were invented. 
And people didn't have bathtubs. You have to go to a stream somewhere to bathe. So people bathed like once a month. There's a lot of biblical BO, right? A lot of Bible stories. People just smell bad. And by the nature of what she did as an occupation, it required intimate physical contact. So what working girls would do was they'd use perfume to uh, try to mask the stench and the sweat of the previous clients. Now stay with me. It's probably expensive perfume. Expensive perfume. Um, why, why does she bring the perfume to Jesus? Well, based on the theory, it's a tool of her trade. The perfume is not bad or it's not sinful. It's just not working for her anymore. It's making the outside smell better, but inside her heart, there's something about what she's done to make money because she's been marginalized, maybe forced in the circumstance by her culture that right now she feels so stained inside, the perfume's not helping. Your apologies aren't sinful or evil. They're just not working for you anymore. Your excuses are not sinful or evil. They're just not working for you anymore. Who am I preaching to? Your justifications are not sinful or evil. They're just not working for you anymore. Your promises to change are not sinful or evil. They're just not working for you anymore. Bring all that stuff to Jesus. Bring your perfume to Jesus. Bring your issues to Jesus. Bring your excuses to Jesus. And by the way, by the way, uh, here's what she does next verse. This is very demonstrative in my opinion. Verse 38 on the screen right now. As she stood behind him, that's the Lord, at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair. She kissed them. She poured, all right, well, um, just let me explain something right here. Those of you who know the Bible, this same thing happens to Jesus twice. There are two stories. There's another story almost exactly like this, but we get the name of the woman in John's gospel. We get the name, it is Mary. I know it's confusing, stay with me. Wait, the same thing, a woman anointing his feet at a dinner happened two times? Yeah, we believe it's two separate stories, and it was Mary. And you're confused, like, wait, his, his mama did this? His mama, no, okay, it's not that Mary. It's not Mary Magdalene, it's a third Mary. It's Mary, the uh, sister of Lazarus and Martha. Stay with me, smart people. And this second time happens at the end, the very end of his three-year ministry. And it's a demonstration of love and knowledge. Mary knows exactly who he is. He's the Messiah and he's the Savior and the Son of God. And she also has figured out the cross is right around the corner. So it's so beautiful. Mary takes a very expensive, very generous gift, a perfume, and she shatters it and she anoints the Lord's body for burial before he even dies. It's a beautiful thing. This is not Mary. Mary wasn't a prostitute. This is a woman, we never get her name. This happens very early in his three-year ministry. In fact, that's why the Pharisee has Jesus to his house. The Pharisees in this early part of Jesus' ministry, they're trying to figure out who Jesus is. They're wondering, is this the promised Messiah? There's all kinds of messianic expectation in Israel. The Messiah is gonna come with the Roman oppression and all the things going down. And so they see this guy roll into town, Jesus performing amazing miracles. You know, he's, he's healing lame people. He's opening blind eyes. He just raised a dead person right before this. They're going, oh my gosh, we haven't seen miracles like this since the time of Elijah and Elisha, centuries before. Could this be the Messiah? And then he has all this charisma that crowds follow him everywhere, right? Crowds follow him, multitudes follow him, and they're impressed by him, and his teachings are remarkable. And then, if they did any research, they found that he's from the tribe of Judah. That's the tribe of Messiah. More than that, he's born in Bethlehem, a tiny little burg, a little village. He's from Bethlehem. Check, check, check. Then after they would check JesusAncestry.com, they'd have seen both his mama and his daddy were blood descendants of King David. 
fulfillment of more prophecy. I mean, even back in that day in Israel, a tiny fraction of 1% of the population would have met all these qualifiers. So like, oh my gosh, miracles and crowds and the right lineage, is this Messiah? But here's where they're confused. But Jesus did not seem to appreciate their rules. Pharisees were famous for their rules, not biblical rules, extra biblical rules. Religious people love to layer legalism and the Pharisees had hundreds of rules on top of the Torah, on top of the Ten Commandments. They'd use these rules to critique and criticize and judge people. And Jesus did not seem to appreciate those rules. But he pushes back against all that legalism. And then the main, the main, main thing that confused him was the crowd. The crowd, he, he ran with this, this messy crowd. Sinners and tax collectors, right? He, he hung out with these really broken people. And what kind of respectable, righteous rabbi runs with a rabble like that? Jesus, you, we don't like your crowd. So the Pharisee invites him to his house because he's trying to figure out, he's trying to size Jesus up. But then this gate crasher comes in and she's doing this. She falls to her knees and she's weeping. And, and, and by the way, ladies, any, any like, like a little, little tear came to her eye, a little something? No, no, it's a big ugly cry. It's that cry when you're boo-hooing, your mascara's running down your face, got a snot bubble going. I mean, it's gross. And so, so what she's doing here is, is not subtle, it's not discreet, it's a violation of dinner etiquette. This woman crashes the party she's not invited to, she falls to her knees, she's weeping, she's anointing, it's demonstrative, it's passionate, it is emotional. Some people think it's excessive. In fact, in fact, in the next verse, the Pharisee, verse 39 on the screen right now, look at verse 39. It said, when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to his friends, are you looking at it? He said to the other Pharisees, he said to the disciples, he said to Jesus, no, he said to himself. So he thought, he, he's thinking to himself, like thought bubbles, right? Thought bubbles, he's talking to himself. And here's what he's thinking to himself. He said, if this man, Jesus, was a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is that she, again, not her name, but she's labeled, she's a sinner. If Jesus was legit, he would know. He, guess what Jesus knew? Jesus knew before she, when she crossed the threshold, he, he knew who she was. Before any of the gossip whispers about, oh, look at her, I can't believe she's here. He knew. He knew everything about her. In fact, he knew everything that Simon was thinking. He knows what you're thinking. He knows if you're thinking about the word of God or the dolphin game right now. He knows what you're thinking. He knows if you're thinking about lunch, because I've been talking about food so much. He knows what you're thinking. He, he knows what you're thinking. So he knows everything Simon the Pharisee, by the way, that's his name, in the next verse, verse 40, verse 40 on the screen right now, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. By the way, the Bible's only helpful if we apply, if we do. Blessed are the doers of the word, thank you. The doers were not merely hearers alone. So I don't care if you memorize Lamentations in the original Hebrew, if you know a whole bunch of Bible, but you're not doing it, there's no blessing, there's no favor, there's no momentum, no power in your life. So you gotta do it. So I wanna help you to apply the word of God. I want a little exercise. Here's where we get his name, the Pharisee's name, Simon. Simon, anybody here named Simon? Nobody, or no Simons in the room. So I wanna get rid of the name Simon, and I wanna substitute your name. Like for me, I'd read this, uh, Jesus answered him, David, I have something to tell you. So I wanna read it again, but you're gonna put your name in there. Do you know your name? I know, sorry, know your name? When I say three, shout your name. One, two, three, your name is? All right, we're going to read it. You put your name right then. Ready? Jesus answered him. Victoria, I have something to tell you. Bob, I have something to tell you. Joaquin, I have something to tell you. I think today God has something to tell you. 
In fact, here's the rest of verse 4. Here's one place Simon the Pharisee actually gets it right. They're rare in this story. It begins one, two, three. Tell me, tell me, tell me, Rabbi. Tell me, teacher, tell me. Okay, you got something to say to me? Tell me. You come through these tunnels every week and pray a brief prayer. Hey, God, tell me. Speak to me. Correct me. Encourage me. Inspire me. It's been a tough week, Lord. I, I need a word. And you come in and you're open. Man, you, God will give you something. You're going to feel like your wife called me and said, David, preach on this. Because he needs to hear this. And I'm just not that good, but God is. If you're not a Christian, not a Christian, not sure you believe all this stuff, you're just here kicking tires. By the way, welcome. Thrilled you're here. You have a seat at our table anytime. You're an honored guest. But you pray a prayer. You can pray your prayer this vague. Hey, God, I don't know if you're there. Don't even know if you're listening. But if you are, I'm open. You pray that prayer and come three weeks in a row. After three weeks, you'll be in here like going, they hacked my email. They sent spies to my house. There's microphones, there's cameras. It's just God, the Holy Spirit. So God's powerful and he'll be personal. So Simon says, okay, I'm, I'm intrigued, Lord. Do you want to speak? I'm, I'm interested. I'm, I'm, born, I'm, I'm curious. And then Jesus tells, I can't read the whole amazing creative story. You think that Church by the Glaze invented biblical creativity. No, we're ripping off Jesus. Tells a story about two guys in debt. The, the, the debt was pretty high for both of them. One guy, the debt was here. The other guy was just, wow. So are you in debt? Make some noise if you're in terrible debt, anybody? No, don't clap. But <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thank you. Good, good American, right? Take financial peace in January. And he says, but the lender forgave both dudes. And so based on the forgiveness, who would love more? And Simon says, well, I guess the guy forgiven the most. And Jesus said, correct. So people who've been forgiven a lot just love more than people that think they haven't done much wrong. And then verse 44, I gotta move quick. Verse 44, gonna really fast here. Verse 44 is remarkable. It says, then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Uh, I came to your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. She wet my feet with her tears and, and, then, uh, and then wiped them with her hair. So turn toward, turn toward, say it, turn toward, turn toward the woman. And then verse 45, you did not give me a kiss. This woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour any oil or oil on me or perfume. I read that wrong. You did not put any oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven for she loved much. All right, what's going on? Because this is weird. In a word, it's hospitality. Hospitality. Uh, hospitality, like manners, are biblical. By the way, church, thank you for those who work in the hospitality ministry. I see bright orange shirts. That means you're part of the parking team ministry. Thank you for that. I say all the time, the sermon begins in the parking lot. So if you work in hospitality ministry, you help us park our cars or park our kids in kids' ministry or park our butts in the seats, thank you for that, man. I want our church to have good manners, make a great first impression. I've seen church studies where people make a decision whether or not they'll return to a church in the first five minutes of their experience on the campus. I ain't up that early. Help a brother out, right? But what's taking place here with the whole kiss and the feet and stuff and the, uh, the oil, these were issues of biblical hospitality. And Simon had neglected to provide basic hospitality. I know it's weird because it's a cultural shift. If I came to your house and you kissed me, poured oil on my head, Told me to take off my Jordans so you could wash my feet. I'm like, that is odd. I'm never coming back. But that's what you did back in the day. But Simon didn't do it. He didn't do it. Simon didn't do it. Why, why, why did Simon not do this for Jesus? Here's the reason why. He was sizing Jesus up. He thought he was doing Jesus a favor, inviting Jesus to his house because he's Simon the Pharisee. He's a big deal in that village. He's respected. And if he endorses Jesus, 
If he uh, reposts Jesus, we never do a favor for Jesus. I don't care if you surf here all weekend long. I don't care if what you sing or say or do. I'm not doing today a favor for Jesus. He is my king and I'm serving my king. You think you came here on Sunday like, Lord, I'm here. Aren't you impressed? I made it. A lot of things I could do. You're here as a servant, honor your great king. So Simon gives no hospitality because they have no, even when he said, Lord, Lord, tell me, you can ask God to speak and still provide no welcome for his word. I'm just sizing you up, Lord. I may or may not do what you say in your word. That's not hospitality for the word of God. A good servant says, whatever it is, Lord, you say or do, I'm in. And, uh, but the whole woman did all these things. Why? She, she loved so much. She was broken. Now I want to circle back to verse 44. See, I believe in something called the, inerr the inerrancy of Scripture. It means God put every single word in your Bible there on purpose. Every word's for our edification, our instruction, our encouragement. So we get a little physical detail about the conversation. All right. It says, verse 44, one more time. Then he, then Jesus turned towards, loudly. Then Jesus turned towards, he turns towards the woman as he said to Simon. I need a couple of volunteers right here. I need a volunteer right here. Mike, would you volunteer? I need a big, come on, I need a secure person. Mike, 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 volunteer. Come volunteer, Mike, come volunteer. Who do I wanna pick on next? I wanna pick on next. I, I probably need a woman. Who's a secure woman? Who's secure, feel good about yourself because you're gonna be the woman in the story. I got, got a woman in the story? Watch your step on the way up here. I got you. See, good manners, you help a lady on the stage, right? I just made old muscly Mike get up here myself. That's good. That's good you did. And what is your name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth, thank you for helping out. So Elizabeth, you stand right here. Mike, you stand right here. So Mike's going to play the Pharisee. Mike is not a Pharisee. Mike is a good man. And, and, and Elizabeth is surely not what the woman was, right? Okay? All right? And to make it even crazier, I'm playing Jesus. That is a stretch. So verse 44, pay attention to the physicality described. So Jesus is talking to Simon. So if I'm talking to Mike, what do I do? I look Mike in the eyes, right? I, I, I'm respectful. He looks at me in the nice way. Two men have a conversation. Same thing in the Bible, but Jesus is talking to Simon, but he turns toward the woman. It doesn't say he turns his away from Simon. He's not rejecting Simon, but he's making a statement in the physical part of this conversation. He turns his back on the Pharisee. Turns his face to the prostitute. He turns his back on the rule maker, turns his face to the rule breaker. He turns his back to the condemning and his face to the contrite. He turns his back to the moralist, turns his face to the messy person. Do you really think you've messed up so big and so bad that Jesus would reject you? I, I know, listen, I know your life, your relationships, your habits, you're a dumpster fire. You limped into a day, you're still hung over from last night. But God bless you, you're here. You still smell like the club, but you are here. <laughs> Jesus is talking to him, but he's looking at her. He's rejecting all the legalism, all the judgment, all the rule keeping. He'll turn his back on the self-righteous and his face to the self-deprecating. She's on her knees, she's weeping, she's saying, Lord, the perfume. In my profession, it's not working for me anymore. I need you. You know, for Mike and Elizabeth, thank you so much. Here, I'm gonna help you on the way down the stairs. Mike, I know you got that. So listen, I don't care what you've done, how you've messed up, the Lord's for you. And by the way, the people like, who are going, oh, David, thank you so much. Other people really need to hear this today. 
I hope he heard this. I hope, I hope she heard this. I hope, you know, I know I'm not perfect, but I, I really have my act together. Do you? All right, can I take a minute and 30 seconds and give a little conjecture, a little speculation? Because part of the story that's always made me kind of crazy, here's it, it's based on something that Simon the Pharisee, not what he says or what he does, it's something he doesn't say. Isn't it kind of crazy? This woman barges into the party she's not invited to. She comes, she falls at the guest of honor's feet. She starts crying, this big ogie cry, starts anointing his feet and kissing his feet. He doesn't say Jack. Who, who, does, who, does, who would not say, excuse me, ma'am, you're not invited here, what are you doing? That's a guest of honor. I, what, I, what are you doing? Who would not say something? Simon doesn't say a word for some reason. Simon doesn't ask her to leave, doesn't call security. He just lets her do this. And here's my thought. Why, why, why does Simon not say anything to this woman who crashes the party? And then I start thinking, you know, she also seems kind of comfortable, like she knows her way around Simon's house. Is there a chance this was not her first time to visit Simon's house? Is there any chance this very righteous, respectable, religious Pharisee had taken advantage of her services on the down low? Maybe Simon knew she was a sinful woman because Simon was a sinful brother. I just found in my life, sometimes those sanctimonious religious people have the seediest secret sins going on in their life. Don't you dare judge anybody else. God knows your garbage. We all, we all, we all need the mercy of the King. So the person I'm most afraid for is someone going like, oh, I don't know if any Jesus, I'm a pretty good person, I think I'm okay. No, you're not. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So I'm gonna pray a prayer. After prayer, the prayer partners will be here. And if you don't know for certain that you have a saved relationship with Jesus, run to the front. Well, what will people think? Who cares what they think? Pharisees cared what people thought. The woman makes a mess of herself because she won the Savior. I'm gonna pray and you come. This is your moment, this is your moment. Crash the party, invite Jesus into your life. Father God, I pray for decisions, I pray for application of the Word of God. It's not just enough that we listen, we gotta make a move. Faith is always about the movement, so someone's gonna come to Christ right now, Lord. That's our prayer in Jesus' name at every campus. Someone's gonna say yes to salvation, yes to forgiveness, yes to baptism, and heaven will party. Lord, we're saying yes to your invitation to come to the table in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. To hear more messages like this, make sure you subscribe and share with your friends. Don't forget to stay connected with us by following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CBGlades at Pastor D. Hughes.